Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now, if you imagine the lectern just to be the throne of God for a moment, Jesus interceding there before the throne constantly, all the time, so that the salvation that he has made possible by the cross can actually be outworked in the lives of people. He's praying into being that which he has accomplished through his saving work. So that intercession is going on all the time in heaven. Now, God has imparted to us here on earth, so if we take this position here to be us and other believers here on earth. He has imparted to us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, we've just read, intercedes for us within us, even with groans. But he is interceding in us, and he intercedes, the scripture says, for all the saints, for every child of God. So we have Jesus interceding in heaven at the throne of God for us and for those that are coming out of darkness into light. And we have the Spirit within us also interceding. Now, Jesus said that the Spirit doesn't initiate anything himself. He speaks only what he hears. There is never any divergence between the Spirit and Jesus or the Spirit and the Father. Within the Godhead, within the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always work as one. So that means that the Spirit within us is interceding in the same way as Jesus is interceding for us before the throne of God. Jesus isn't praying one thing and the Holy Spirit praying another. So we can pray or the Holy Spirit within us can pray. If the Holy Spirit within us prays, he will intercede according to the will of God. If we pray, if we initiate the prayer... As that scripture just says, we do not know how to pray. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Because if we allow our prayer to come from our own understanding, we're praying with the mind and with the limitations of our understanding. So we may be praying for what is right, we may not. We may know how to pray, we may not. And I think a lot of prayer seems to go unanswered because we're not praying aright. The Holy Spirit will not anoint the prayer that is not right. If we're praying for the wrong thing or in the wrong way, there's no anointing on that. But God has given us 
the Holy Spirit and part of his uh, life within us is to be the spirit of prayer in order that the spirit within us will be praying and interceding at one with Jesus who is interceding for us in heaven. Now, that means that effective prayer does not begin with the mind and with our understanding, but it begins with the spirit. Now, Paul says, I will pray with the spirit, I will pray with the mind also. So the mind has an important function to fulfill in prayer, but the mind is the servant of the spirit. The spirit is not the servant of the mind. In other words, the spirit is not going to endorse what we pray with our minds if we initiate and, and actually conceive what we ought to pray in any particular situation. If the mind is the servant of the spirit, then when we pray in the spirit, the spirit will inform the mind. And we will gain understanding of how to pray and what to pray in any particular situation. Now, turn to Hebrews chapter 5. God has been speaking to us through this, these verses in the last couple of weeks especially. Verse 7, chapter 5, Hebrews. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus didn't pray from the mind, he prayed from the heart. It's very easy for us to sit down and decide with our minds what we ought to pray for, how to pray, try to get all our ducks in order and make sure the theology is right and all the rest of it. And such prayer can be lifeless and powerless. It can seem to be correct, and we can even feel good that we've prayed in that way. We've fulfilled our duty, our obligation to pray. But that doesn't mean there's power in that kind of prayer. Let me tell you what we're aiming at. What we experience at present is something of the Holy Spirit's activity for which we can be exceedingly thankful. Because apart from the activity of the Spirit, we can't do anything. So in our own personal lives, in our meetings together, here at Rofi, with the church, with various congregations, the Spirit of God is present. The Spirit of God moves in the hearts and lives of people. The encounter nights that we had last month did take us to another level of the spirit. But we were conscious of just being on the edge, on the fringe at the beginning of something more powerful that God is wanting to do. What is he wanting to do? Well, we talk about the rain, and we talk about getting drenched and soaked, and all that's good imagery is to what will happen if we see a more extensive move of the Spirit. But what does that mean? What does that look like? It looks like this. 
that whenever we come together and begin to worship and pray, the Spirit just moves upon us. That when we meet together as a church, doesn't matter who's preaching or whatever, the Spirit moves. The Spirit just moves upon the whole of the people that are gathered together. Now, this is what happens in times of revival. You've heard me talk about meetings where the Spirit of God just moves upon the people. It's as if the Spirit of God suddenly falls from heaven. So we experience something of the moving of the Spirit in the hearts and lives of people for which we're exceedingly thankful. But we're aiming at something much greater where God actually is not dependent at all upon us, but he will move upon us. Not just occasionally, but every time we come together. You see, what is happening here, day by day, is sporadic. Some days, real sense of of the Spirit's presence and of him moving other days, not quite the same. There's not yet that consistency. There's not yet that faith. There's not yet that expectation. There's not yet that dependence upon the Spirit that will enable him to move in that way. So, we can see that we're at the beginning of a process, but there's still much more that God wants to do. We need to be in the situation where we know, not we think that it might happen, but we know every time we come together, the Spirit of God will move. Every time we come together, you will have an encounter with God. Because the Spirit of God is taking the initiative. We've handed the initiative over to the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? Now, while we have the prayer in our hands, the Spirit will move sporadically. When our prayer is in the Spirit's hands, he will move consistently. So our problem or challenge at this moment is we're still praying instead of the Spirit of God praying in and through us. Instead of the intercession of the Holy Spirit, we still think we've got to pray in a certain way and achieve a certain end so that God will then do something. that still places us in the driving seat. And you see, Paul wants to correct that and say, we don't know how to pray as we ought. So why try? Why not hand the whole of our prayer life over to the Holy Spirit? and acknowledge, Holy Spirit, only you can intercede for us according to the will of God. So we're praying at all times in the Spirit, as the Scripture tells us to, pray at all times in the Spirit, it says. We will pray with the mind also because the Spirit will inform the mind. We will understand more of what God is actually doing, what he is causing that prayer, the substance of that prayer to be. And so then we come to this description of the way Jesus prayed when he was on earth. It doesn't seem to start with the mind, does it? He prays 
with loud cries and tears. Neither loud cries or tears are going to come from your mind. Because when, you know, when you operate in your mind, the mind wants to be in control. Jesus prayed at all times in the Spirit. His prayer always came from the Spirit, not from his mind. Which is why he said, I've got nothing to say. Everything I say comes from my Father. He gives me the words to say. That's why he said, I can't do anything myself. You see, we've seen that the way you pray is the way you live, and the way you live is the way you pray. You can't divorce the way you pray from the way you live. So because Jesus lived in this complete dependence upon the Father, when it came to prayer time, he was completely dependent upon the Spirit. In the days of his humanity, Jesus would not have been able to pray without dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Because he couldn't do anything himself. He acknowledged that. So we don't see Jesus praying with his mind. We see him praying from the heart. And when you pray from the heart, there's loud cries. There's passion. There's longing. Perseverance and determination. The mind limits that fervency in prayer, but it's the fervent prayers of the righteous that are fruitful, the scripture says. The fervent prayer. With the mind, we can be sincere. But with the heart, we're full of passion. Jesus prayed with passion. And one of the reasons I believe Jesus said that when you pray, go apart, shut the door, and pray to your Father in secret, he will reward you openly. Part of the reason of drawing aside is so that we can, we can go mad with loud cries and tears and passion and pouring out our hearts and desire to God without worrying about anybody else or what anybody else thinks of us. He doesn't say, go and shut the door and have a quiet time. Now there's a place for quiet time. I spend a lot of time quietly with the Lord, listening to him and so on. That's another aspect of our whole relationship with God. But when it comes to intercession, when it comes to asking God to do things, this is not us trying to engage with God with our minds. It has to be engaging him with our hearts. And that's where the passion comes in. If you go to a revival prayer meeting, let me tell you, nobody's praying with their minds. It's noisy. Everybody's praying with passion. I've been to a few, a few hundred such meetings. So I know what they're like. Nobody needs to lead in prayer because the Holy Spirit is leading everybody in prayer. You see, when we need a, a, a prayer leader, what's happening? Something of the mind. 
let's pray for this, let's pray about this in this particular way, and so on. There may be a place for that, but really where the power is, is in the Spirit. And when we pray in the Spirit, what's going to happen? The Spirit is going to move. The more our prayer is conceived by the Spirit, the more the Spirit will actually move as a result of the prayer because the whole thing is the work of the Spirit. There's a time to be still in the presence of God. But you know, when the Spirit of God does move, you can be in, I mean, this place can be really noisy with everybody shouting praise. Two minutes later, it can be dead silence because suddenly the Spirit of God has moved upon people. The Spirit of God is working within people. We have that to a certain extent sometimes, but not to the measure that God really intends. You see, when the Spirit of God moves, whenever we come together, the Word is going to get around. Nobody will be able to come to a meeting without encountering God, even the unsaved. That's when the multiplication begins. That's when the heart begins. The gleaning. But the harvest takes place not because suddenly we've discovered some principles of evangelism, but because the Spirit of God has moved upon us in such a way that not only when we meet together, but wherever we go, wherever you go, you carry such a presence of the Spirit that sinners will come under conviction of their sin. You see, you have to see this as not just a possibility, but as the reality into which God wants to take us. We are not dreaming. We're, we're talking about the way in which the Spirit of God wants to move in our lives, personally and corporately. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. John, of course, spent virtually the entire ministry of Jesus with him. We know he was the closest to Jesus, understood him better than any of the other disciples. Was We would say more spiritual than the, than the rest of them. He outlived all of them by many years and had experienced 50, 60 years of life in the Spirit, quite apart from three years with Jesus, by the time he wrote this letter. So he was not only familiar with the teaching of Jesus, but he saw how the teaching of Jesus outworked in the lives of people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says in chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. <clears throat> right, now let's unpack that. Let's, let's start with the end and work back to see how John gets to the end result. The end result is that we receive from God whatever we ask of him. 
Now, that obviously is God's intention. We know that from all the prayer promises that Jesus gave to the disciples, especially those at the Last Supper. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you believe. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, and so on. We know, we know all these prayer promises. And in all those prayer promises, God uses this word, whatever. Whatever you ask. So God's concept of prayer is that we receive whatever we ask. If we don't receive what we've asked, we haven't prayed. We might have said prayers, but we haven't prayed. We haven't prayed as God understands prayer. That if we pray out of our relationship with God, because we live in him and his word lives in us, then whatever we ask, we will receive. So, Paul... uh, John says here, if we know that he hears us, we know that we have received from him whatever we ask. So, we receive the answer to all our prayers when we believe that he hears us. Because believing is knowing. It's being sure and certain, yes? We know that he hears us. So what John is saying is if you know that God has heard you, then you know that you receive whatever you ask. Are we there? So let's go back to the step before that. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So he's only going to hear us if we ask according to his will. Prayer is never going to get God to do something he doesn't want to do. That actually he hasn't already planned to do. Hello? So God will answer our prayers when we pray according to his will, when we pray according to what he's planned. Problem! We don't always know and understand that. Answer, the Holy Spirit does. Why? Because we've just read, the Holy Spirit always prays according to the will of God. There was a time in my ministry in the, in the, when revival was going on in Luton when I was praying for people to be healed, sometimes all day, every day. People were coming from all over the place, you know, and some of them with great needs. And I can stand here and honestly say that every time we prayed, people were healed, God blessed. There was never a time, I can't remember a time, when the power of God did not come upon people. We were in revival. Spirit of God moved every time. Not every time the full healing would happen immediately, but every time the Spirit of God was at work. What I learned in those early days was, you know, and you praying often for people, there's a tendency to think you know how to do it. Because you've seen God move so often and heal so many people. But I learned never ever to depend upon myself, but always upon the Spirit. And therefore, to pray in tongues as well as with my understanding. And there were many occasions when I would prayed with my understanding and nothing happened. But as soon as I started to pray in tongues, the Spirit of God would move upon people. Why? 
because the Spirit always prays according to the will of God. With my understanding, I might not have got it right, or I might not have got it fully right, or I might not have understood exactly how to pray in that situation, but the Holy Spirit always did. So, if the Holy Spirit initiates our prayer, what is John saying? He always prays according to the will of God. So God hears. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit praying for anything that the Father and the Son don't hear? Impossible. Why? Because the Spirit never speaks on his own. I want you to understand something about God. It's the Father and the Son that initiate the prayer of the Spirit within you. In other words, the Father and the Son tell the Spirit how to pray. So, as Jesus is interceding before the throne of God, the Spirit of God is praying within you in exactly the same way when you pray in the Spirit, when you truly pray in the Spirit. That's not just gabbling away in tongues. It's more than that. We'll see in a moment. So, you see, we go back to the beginning of this statement by John. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Confidence that he must hear us because we're praying according to the will of God because actually it's the spirit within us that is doing the interceding. And he will always intercede according to the will of God. He will always be praying at one with what Jesus is praying before the throne in heaven. And he can only pray according to that which he is instructed to pray by the Father and the Son. So the whole of the Godhead is involved. If, if you like, the, the, the Holy Spirit and the Son are doing a job on the Father. They're combining and the Father's answering. Well, please yourself, but I believe it. Now, when you read this, and when you read the prayer promises of God, and you compare that with what most Christians experience, you wonder if they're even of the same faith. Because what the Scripture speaks about seems to be of a totally different order from what is so often experienced. But God is not going to reduce his word to the level of our experience His purpose is to raise our experience to the level of his word. So, where do we start? Lord, I don't know how to pray. We do not know how to pray as we ought. That's the confession of your faith. I don't know how to pray. See, if we think we know how to pray, then we're going to pray according to how we think. And what happens is the result of praying according to the way you think. But if we're going to see God move, we're going to pray in the Spirit according to the will of God. The Spirit of God is going to initiate the prayer, is going to fill the prayer with his life and his power, and we will have that absolute assurance that God hears us, and if we know that he hears us, we know that we receive from him whatever we ask.
I mean, you've heard me say this before in other contexts, but <clears throat> a lot of Christians misunderstand the purpose of the Spirit. And they pray, Lord, help me. No. Because if you pray, Lord, help me, it's still you that's doing it. You see, if you understand the activity of the Spirit, it's Lord, replace me. Not I, but Christ. I don't know how to pray. I can't pray. But you have given me the gift of the Spirit, and you can pray in me. You can pray for me in the right way. You can actually intercede in me for all the saints. I pray for all believers every day because the scripture tells us to do that. It's kind of neat, really, because I can go wherever I go to preach, I can say to the congregation, I pray for you every day. They're quite impressed by that. But it's true, you see, because I pray for all my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray for all the saints. It's one of the commands of Scripture, so I like to obey it. Are you there? Because we're part of something so much bigger than ourselves, aren't we? And we're, we're you know, we're, we're part of kingdom faith, but kingdom faith is part of something that is so much bigger. We're part of the body of Christ in this country. That, that is only part of something so much bigger. We're part of the purposes of God. But the purposes of God can only be outworked by the Holy Spirit. So back to Jesus. He's not praying with his mind. He's praying with loud cries and tears. He's praying from his heart. I was preaching on Sunday about the occasion when the disciples saw Jesus praying. And then they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. What was going on? Well, Jesus must have been praying in a totally different way from the way they were praying. They saw the outcome of the way he prayed. And they realized their prayer was nothing by comparison. So, Lord, teach us to pray. And I, I preached on Sunday, many of you would have been there, about the two parables that Jesus taught about prayer. The first, that we are to be bold. Most people don't understand that. Now that when Jesus said, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to, what he preached, what he said before that was this, this uh, parable about being bold. Not being put off. You know, I will not be denied. Why? Because the spirit within me is praying and interceding according to the will of God. And nothing is going to deny the will of God. But you see, you can only pray with that conviction, with that boldness, if you know the will of God. But you don't know the will of God, but the spirit within you does know the will of God. And if he is in charge of the prayer and if he is leading you, you can be as bold as you like. And you can shout and scream at God like I was bearing witness. Sometimes you need to do that. Jesus did that loud cries. He was one with the Father. But he still prayed with loud cries and tears. And he was heard because of his reverend submission. Now you see, if you talk about boldness, I will not be denied, loud cries, tears, that doesn't sound like reverend submission. But the scripture says when he prayed with loud cries and tears, he was heard because of his reverent submission. 
Why? Because he was praying according to the will of God. Not my will, but yours be done. He wasn't praying with the mind. He wasn't praying about what he wanted. He, his, his whole intent was that the will and the purpose of his Father should be fulfilled. That's what I was saying to you last week. The problem for most Christians is that they are the principal subject of their prayer. But you see, you only intercede when you pray for others. You can't intercede for yourself. Hello? So Jesus isn't praying for himself. The Holy Spirit isn't praying for himself. They're interceding for others, for all the saints of God. When we intercede, we're praying for others. We're praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're praying especially for the lost. And what we... What we are you ready? Can you receive this? Right. Listen. The number of people we see coming. Praise God, we see a trickle. But we don't see harvest because we don't even pray for harvest. Oh, we ask for harvest with our minds. But only the Holy Spirit can produce harvest, my friends. Only the Holy Spirit can, can produce a move of God, a move of the Spirit. We're not going to think our way there. We can only pray our way there. When the prayer for the lost gets to where it needs to be, we'll see harvest. Not until. What does that mean? It means that when we pray, our chief concern is for the lost. Not even for our, you know, there's, oh, we want to pray for our brother or sister, this one's sick, this one has a need, that one needs provision. All of that, yes, 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 there's a place for all of that. But what was Jesus doing with his life? He was interceding for the lost. He was laying down his life for the lost. He was praying for the lost. And we will, I mean, you're coming up to mission week soon, a couple of weeks. We want to see much more fruit that week than we've ever seen in the past. Mm hmm. You know, praise God for Alpha and for all the witnessing that's going on all the time. <clears throat> it's good, but it's minimal compared to what God can do and compared with what God is going to do. I mean, when harvest comes, you won't be able to organize enough Alpha groups. The reaper will overtake the sower. That's what happens. People will be coming to the Lord without weeks of Alpha or anything else. And that's not downgrading Alpha. It's just saying that has its place. But when revival comes, it is replaced by what the Spirit of God is doing. So we're aiming high because what's the point of aiming low? Because God says, live up to your high calling. But what is your high calling? You see, your high calling as a believer is to see lost souls saved. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. And then to make disciples of those that are saved. That's the second thing. But you can't make disciples of those that are not saved. So you get them saved first, then you make disciples of them. Amen? This is the business of the church. This is why the church exists. 
the students spent last week in the forum, you know, what's the purpose of the church? First and foremost, to see lost souls saved. To see the outworking of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, bringing people out of darkness into light. Doesn't make us all evangelists, but we all have the responsibility to pray. Every day I thank God for a harvest. Because actually, every day all over the world, thousands of people come to know the Lord. I don't know what the figures are, but... So every day the kingdom of God is advancing. You know, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Every day. I thank God for that. And I thank God for the number of backsliders that are coming back to faith in Jesus every day. So, you know, in a sense, harvest is happening the world over. And we need to be thankful and grateful for what the Spirit of God is doing to enable that. In some places, there will be a local harvest of many, many people coming to the Lord. That's what we're praying for here. We need to see a local harvest that will add greatly to the harvest that is taking place in the world. It's possible. I think we saw life of, of the church in Luton. It was just a, an Anglican church with a few hundred people. But I, we saw about 50 people come to the Lord every month. That would be the normal sort of thing. What we were doing centrally, of course, there would be all kinds of other, uh, through the witness of the individual members, they would be leading people to the Lord as, as well as that. We wouldn't be counted in that number. And for us at that time, of what God was doing at that time, that was a harvest. I mean, we would like to see 50 people coming to the Lord every month here at present. But, you know, things are different now. This is a different season. And so I would think that 50 people coming to the Lord every month would be small fry compared to what God intends to do in these coming months and years. More like 50 a week. I mean, this is what we're aiming at, friends. If if you're not aiming at that in prayer, you're not going to hit it. I mean, where is your faith, you see? According to your faith, it will be done to you. So praise God for all that is happening now and all that we're seeing now. But let's aim high. And let's not think, oh, it's going to take years. No. It's not going to take years. It's simply going to take the Holy Spirit. It's simply going to take the Holy Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit has given us the first few drops. What is God's plan? For everything to dry up or for the rain to pour down? But you see, the rain won't come while you're waiting for the rain. Rain will only come because you cry out to God with loud cries, with boldness. You will not be denied because, my friend, listen to me, you are not praying for yourself, but you're praying for the harvest. You're praying for God to be glorified.
50 a week? Why not 50 a day? In due course. I mean, I've ministered in a church where in the central congregation, just the central congregation, they were like we are, they were one church with many congregations. In the central congregation, a thousand a week. If God can do that in one place, he can do it somewhere else. But we're not in a numbers game. What we're in is the Holy Spirit's activity. And whatever God has planned to do here, he will do, but he will only do it because this is God's ordained way. He will only do it in response to prayer. And because we are so dependent, totally dependent, upon it being a work of the Spirit, we have to pray in the Spirit for the Spirit to move. What's it like in experience, you know, to pray like that? I, there's only one way I can explain it, really. I can describe it. You abandon yourself to God in prayer. I don't know how else to explain it. I think that's how Jesus prayed, you see. He was hurt because of his reverent submission. Boldness, crying out day and night, I will not be denied. Is that submission? Humble submission? Reverent submission? You bet your boots it is. No, you're not allowed to bet. But you can be assured that it is. Because... Now you're praying according to the will of God. Very different from praying prayers. Hallelujah. God answers prayer, but he doesn't answer prayers. Can you understand? That which is conceived by the mind, but that which comes from the Spirit. Come on, let's stand. Come into the middle. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you're ready to abandon yourself to God in prayer. <laughs> Really praying for the lost, for the harvest, living for the harvest. See, you pray according to you live. If you don't live for the harvest, you can't pray for the harvest with any meaning. Yeah? So come on, let's get our focus on the Lord. Begin to just worship him first. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Harvest, Lord. Harvest, Lord. Harvest, Lord. Your will is for harvest. Here. Now. Not sometime in the future. Not just in other places. Harvest, Lord. Harvest, Lord. Harvest, Lord. Kora la basandari eletro papaparazanduma. Papaparazandari eletro papaparazanduma. Oh, Jesus. 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 Papaparazanabari eletro papaparazanduma. Nothing less than harvest, Lord. We will not accept anything less than harvest because you have declared this is your will and we're praying according to the will of God. Harvest, Lord. Thank you, you send laborers into the harvest because the fields are white and ready for harvest. We praise you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Oh, come on, let's really let the Lord know we mean business here. We will not be denied. Your will will be accomplished here. That which you have said will take place in the name of Jesus and for your glory. We will not accept anything less. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are submitted to your will, to your word, to that which you have declared to be your purpose. Hallelujah. Popapara zataparia leto bapaparama. Horataparia zetoba. Come on, I want to hear those. That boldness. That boldness. Where's the boldness? We will not be denied. Come on, let God know. You are not going to be denied. You are going to play your part in the harvest. Come on, you will not be denied. You will not be denied. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Popapara Sandaria Leto Papapara Zandabaranema. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Koralabazandama. Thank you, Lord. Many are going to come out of darkness into your glorious light. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, just realize that you're only truly thankful for your salvation when you pray for others to be saved. Hallelujah. For God to do in others what he's graciously done in you. Oh, Father, we praise you, we bless you, we thank you. We're moving according to your plans, Lord. These are not plans we've made. These are not the plans of men. They're the plans of God. They're the things that you have revealed to us. They're things that you have made clear in your word and by your spirit. And we acknowledge before you today, it's only by your spirit that these things can take place. It's only by your spirit and by our dependence upon your spirit that your spirit will be able to move in the way that is necessary to see the fulfillment of everything that you have promised, of all the plans and purposes that you have laid before us. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But Lord, there's no limit to what you can do in and through us by your Spirit. And we praise you, we bless you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. But Lord, we, we, you, we know you've raised us to another level of faith and in prayer, but, but we, we've got to go higher and higher still. And with that greater boldness, that greater determination. Lord, we just remember what Jesus said about prayer. The prayers that were really going to be effective. Just listen. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? That's how Jesus taught people to pray. Not nice prayers with the mind, all neatly, theologically correct. People that cry out day and night from their heart. Are we such a praying people? Mm -hmm. Well, God is making us into such a people, yes? We're not that yet, but we're going to become that. Crying out to him day and night. We will not let him rest. Hallelujah. Oh, you know, as you stir up God, he stirs you up. Hallelujah. And we become the answer to our prayer. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you. We praise you. We bless you. We praise your holy name. Oh, we know, Lord, we're on the verge of of such mighty things, not for ourselves, but for all those that have come out of darkness into light, of all those, Lord, that are going to be set free, the prisoners that are going to be set free, the brokenhearted that are going to be healed, those with no meaning and direction and purpose in their lives that are going to discover the real purpose for which they have been created. We thank you, Lord, that we don't live for ourselves, but we live to make Jesus known. And we live to see this harvest. And thank you, Lord, for every single one of us in this room, there's going to be much fruit, much lasting fruit for every one of us. Through our prayer, through our witness, that we will pray with boldness, we'll witness with boldness, we will be the people of boldness that you've called us to be. So we thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Come, let's just pray in the Spirit for a moment before we finish. 
Korata para sandalia leto papa papara san. Papa papara sandalia leto papa papara sandalia leto papa papa kala sitri santo. Oh papa papara sandalia leto papa papa kala sitri sandara nasunta. Oh papa papara sandalia leto papa papa kala sandalia leto papa papa kala sitri santo. Oh, papa papara sandaria leto, papa papara sandaria leto, papa papa kala sandaria. Oh, papa papara sandaria leto, papa papara sitri sandaria leto, papa papara sandaria leto. Oh, papa papara sandaria leto, papa papara kala sutri sandaria leto. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Harvest, Lord. Harvest, Lord. Harvest, Lord. Thank you, it's your will. Harvest. Praise your holy name. Bless your holy name. Come on, let's have a great shout of praise for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.